Welcome to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. This is your home for progressive, thought-provoking real talk in the chiropractic profession. Featuring the legends, the innovators, and the thought leaders that move our profession forward. And now your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Forward, the podcast of Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. My name is Dr. Bobby Maybe. Uh, my guest today, Sabrina, I'm going to say your name and I'm going to get it right. And when I say it, you're going to say that it's correct. It's Sabrina Runbeck. Yes. Yay. All yay. Right. Sabrina is, uh, let me read this bio because I think it's fascinating because I've never heard of this before, Sabrina. I've never heard of a, uh, somebody working in the medical profession and then experiencing burnout. <laughs> that, that never happens. <laughs> After overcoming burnout working in cardiothoracic surgery, Sabrina Runbeck is able to maintain a clinical practice while helping healthcare private practice owners gain a day uh, per week as a peak performance advisor. We're going to talk about what a peak performance advisor is, by the way. By integrating her background in medicine, neuroscience, and positive intelligence, she created a simple six-step system that allowed her clients to stop having endless to-do lists or needing to put out fires on a daily basis. Oh boy, we are going to have fun today. They are now creating sustainable practices with consistent revenue without constant staff turnover. Before we get started with Sabrina, um, I want to do a little bit of house cleaning. One, we have an event coming up for the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. It's September 23rd to the 25th in New Orleans. It is called Breakthroughs on the Bayou. Uh, why I chose that name for our event is because we want to create breakthroughs for the attendees. Everybody, regardless of where you are at in your career, needs the next level of a breakthrough. Uh, even if you're at the end stage of your career, breaking through on how to retire appropriately uh, and, and celebrate a life well served is important. We are aiming to create breakthroughs for everybody who attends. It's going to be a hands-on process. So this isn't one of those events where you just sit there and listen and get your continuing education credits and go home. We are going to walk you through a process and with our presenters, uh, the way they present things is going to help contribute to this process of developing a breakthrough for you wherever you are at in practice. Now, traveling right now, still in this day, is not the easiest thing in the world to do. And we understand that in the FTCA. So we've also created a virtual event around it, a virtual summit that not only will have the presentations of the people who are speaking at the event, but we're gonna add extra components, more presentations, much more content uh, to that virtual summit. And you know what? I might even invite Sabrina to be a presenter and go a little bit more in depth than what she talks about today after we're done. Uh, so that you guys can get a little bit more out of this conversation uh, by attending either the virtual breakthroughs on the Bayou or in person. Uh, so you can check that out at our website, forwardthinkingchiro.com. Uh, all the registration stuff is up and ready to go. If you're a member, there's a discount. You should check your email if you're a member and you'll get a discount for the virtual event. If you're not a member, become a member and you'll get a discount uh, emailed to you for that event. Uh, members get discounts to everything we do, Sabrina. Um, first and foremost, the reason I now I want to bring you in for what we talked about before we pushed record. If you look at the lineup for our event in New Orleans, 
we are not talking about what we would typically talk about at a chiropractic event. Usually our FTCA events are very clinically oriented. Rehabilitation, um, radiology, interpretation, um, pain science, things of those nature. And, and that's what our audience typically wants to hear. But if you look at this specific event, there's definitely some clinical component, but then we're talking about, uh, you know, you're not a starving artist. You should, you should actually succeed in business, uh, especially as a rehab professional. We have, a, we have a, an epidemic of rehab professionals that aren't getting paid what they're worth. And they sort of race themselves down to the bottom dollar for this thing that they think is so important, this rehab approach. And then we're talking about overcoming imposter syndrome. We are talking about leadership. And this is where we come in because I don't think people would be as attracted to the leadership conversation as they should be. Because I think they hear that word and they assume things and they don't understand how important leadership is, not just in a practice, but just in their daily life as a clinician, a physician, whatever you want to call it, chiropractor. So let's roll us back into leadership and being a clinic practice owner. Yes, I think that's a so important topic. I think even leadership, if you recognize leadership, you recognize your own worth, then you will now allow patients to not pay you because you're solving such a dramatic problem for them. That's worth more than the dollar amount you put in front of them. So when we're thinking about time efficiency, it's actually all about how you are treating yourselves and other people and how do you see value-based systems to give yourself the worth of your time. Um, I, and we mentioned a little bit before we got air is that when you're in this position of running your practice, uh, you're not just a clinician. Uh, for those people who haven't read the book E-Myth, right? We're in this sense, all service-based providers, we're just a technician. We have this amazing knowledge. You guys going through schools years after years and identifying what's abnormal, you fix it. But that in itself is not leadership. That in itself is a fixing a problem. You're a problem solver at the end of the day. Right. And when we go into the next level of ownership, that's entrepreneurship, that's a vision. That's how to connect, attract, right people to your corner and then be able to tap into their talent so you compound on those people's time, resources, and knowledges. And we don't have to be know-it-all because at the end of the day, that's very tiring. Instead, we have to focus what I call the desire zone to create a compass of freedom. Yeah, well, I've got some bad news for you. In our profession, we have a lot of what I call lone wolves. They, they're in their own office all by themselves and they don't have the leverage of a team. They don't have a leverage of people who can do things better than they can. You know, there can be simple conversations like uh, we might have a lone wolf and they say, well, I, I need to do marketing. What do I do? First, we've already lost there, you know, because it's always like, what's the tactic? Once again, what are we doing as a technician? Not what kind of vision do you have for marketing or where do you want to go with it? But you might, you might give them an idea. You might say, let's build an audience on social media. And they might then respond, well, I don't want to do that. And we've lost the leadership. We've lost any momentum at that point, right? Because they can't, uh, how would you say it? 
they think they have to do it all. So they don't even have the mind, the wherewithal to say, well, who can I leverage to do that for me? Because it still needs to be done, regardless of whether you like to do it or not. Like, I don't like doing social media. That doesn't matter. This day and age, it has to be done. So you should uh, uh, outsource, automate, or hire somebody to do it for you, right? It's like in the 90s, it's like, hey, you got to have a website, my man, or my gal, you got to have a website for your practice. I don't want that internet thing. That seems kind of silly. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do the internet. And it's like, well, so, you don't have to do it. You don't have to make the website, but you need a website, my friend. Right. That in itself, it can be a big topic. Um, people don't know how to delegate. And the people who recognize they have to delegate, they don't know the how part because they don't trust it. Right? They don't trust someone else can do a good job. Or we are so trained as problem solvers, we feel like we can solve our own problems. Absolutely. And, and that reason is, so when we talk about positive intelligence, it's a combination of cognitive behavior, neuroscience, performance science, and positive psychology. So in that study, we study uh, thousands of participants, both from CEOs, athletes, uh, college uh, students. And what we found is there are 10 different categories of what's called sabotaging tendencies. So that means we learn these behavior, right? Maybe we helped us to get to some place. So one of, the, of them is called controlling, right? We feel like if we know every step of the way, and that means we can predict the end result. And that supposedly decreases our anxiety level, our stress. However, it's actually doing the opposite. So if you control every single thing, that means you have to use so much of your mental capacity to even just this one thing. How can you perform as a owner, as a visionary for the practice when you're especially just by yourself, right? Um, and then the trust building thing is because in psychology, we say, how do we practice the law of receptivity? Now, in reality, people are doing two opposite and either they don't like to receive help because they're like, I'm not worthy, right? Especially yeah. what you talked about earlier, because if someone helped me, what do I have to pay back? What if I don't have the resource? That resource could be, maybe I don't have time. Maybe I don't have the money. Maybe I can't make uh, see as much patients to get to where I need to go, right? Immediately, we put ourselves in the lower level of instead of trusting us, actually, if you don't do the type of work, if you don't serve your community, no one else gonna do it as well as you do, right? The, right. Because they can't do it the way that you do. And then the opposite of that is, I'm too good. I can do everything myself. I don't know who you are. Like if you yeah. have to help me, how much like more I have to devote to you, right? And this pedestal that we put ourselves on, that's really hard to come down. And the higher you're up there, the deeper that you fall when you do fall. Um, so it's in the middle of to be able to tap into what we call the sage type of brain is to say, I'm so curious. I love the curiosity, what, what could be, because I trust myself that yes, I can solve everything, but I don't need to solve everything. I can leverage more. And then when I recognize um, my controlling tendency comes in, it's just a persona my brain created. It's not me, right? Me as an individual, 
I'm loving, I'm creative, I can do, I can create, I can serve, I can be more inventive, I can be more empathetic. But if I allow my persona of this controlling screaming at me all day, I'm going nowhere, right? So right. number one thing is, can we recognize these different type of tendency? And I make my uh, myself and my clients create a name for it. So my major thing of all these craziness of controlling tendencies or my judges or my high performer or my pleaser, everything is called the itty bitty shitty comedy, right? <laughs> right? My shitty comedy is always singing at me. It's like, Sabrina, I can't believe you took that long to do this thing. Oh, that client call should have been over now. Now you're dragging out everybody else, right? Like think about how much more things that creates in the internal external expectation, right? So then I can just like, oh no, I recognize it's my persona, it's my shitty comedy singing at me. So then I can immediately say, gotta stop, right? It's not me that's doing it, it's what I created. That's so right. you take yourself out of that. And then immediately we can do neural remodulation. So neural remodulation can be anything from combination of highlighting your five sensory, right? Touch, smell, hearing, taste, visual. We usually don't train people on that because it's very distracting. Yes. Um, and then you can also incorporate your mus uh, muscle. You guys, chiropractors, you know how to use your muscle, your body to get yourself into a better state. And you can also use breath work, right? The false belief is when people go into some type of meditation, they need to do a 10, 20 minutes. No, right. actually two minutes works. Anything within two minutes, when you focus on internal self, you get yourself out of that because you're triggering your brain to focus on something that's more of a neutral spot. And then we can say, okay, now I call this shitty community out. Now reset myself really quickly. Then I can see, oh, why was I upset? Why is this happening? Maybe I don't even need to know why right now. Maybe I just need to know where I'm heading right now. If I just know where I'm heading, at least I'm curious about how I'm getting there, right? Um, so it's like a really quick shift of identifying the 10 sabotaging and get yourself out there. So when people are in that spot of even my own chiropractor, so he is also a lone wolf, as you mentioned, right? We talk so much about, let's find you the best builder there yeah. are. Yeah. So you're not going back and forth hours with these insurance companies. When you could be seeing patients, that's where the biggest revenue is coming, right? Those right. hours on the phone, who's going to actually pay you? Nobody. Right. You could hire a system that's probably not even 20 bucks an hour to do all those work, right? Um, and so it's about how do we see ourselves in our value system by also doing what? Calculate what's our hourly rate. And when people actually have that physical number in front of them, then they see reality. Then they are seeing, oh shoot, if I actually can see three patients an hour, then I can make this amount of money, right? Let's just be simple, $200 for that. Sure. Per visit, right? So that too, uh, so that means you're already raised six hundred. But you instead now hiring a system 
and you're doing the call yourself, you're booking your patient's appointment, right? All those times for that one hour that you could hire someone for $20, you dropped you $600 value of your time down to a fraction of $20. And you're still charging it's $50 anyways, <laughs> per person anyways. So what is that, that saying about you? How are you truly value your time instead of thinking, oh yeah, my time is so priceless, but you're not actually doing what you need to be done to make your time priceless. Yeah, so we can unpack a couple things there. One, um, you know, there are probably members of the Chiropractic Success Academy that are listening to this right now and they're laughing because one of the first exercises we take anybody in the Chiropractic Success Academy through is how much are you worth? Like how much do you think you are worth? And, and I always take younger chiropractors if I'm mentoring them and I, I have that same conversation with them in my own language, right? It's like, what are you worth an hour? It's the most valuable personal exercise you can do when you're getting started because it start, you, you, you wrap your mind around your own self-worth in a whole different way. And then you have to try to create a system around that worth instead of letting the outside world tell you what you are worth. And I think a lot of the, what you're talking about, this, this sort of, uh, uh, for those who are familiar with Tony Robbins, this is also the state change idea as well, right? It's like you, you have to be aw personally aware of what state you're in and have the ability to change yourself out of that state at any moment in time. And if you're a business owner, a practice owner, your own personal old stuff, your own personal, you know, I don't know, like daddy never loved me or I never made the varsity swim team or whatever it is, like always comes back and, and seeps in and then it shows up. And a lot of times for chiropractors, especially the lone wolves, you're absolutely right. They don't want one, they don't want other people to mess their stuff up. Correct. And usually that comes from some sort of pain, right? They had the pain of some sort of mistake costing them money or time in the past. Two, a real big secret here of why people are lone wolves a lot of times is they don't want other people to know they mess stuff up. And it's not as binary as, as you had placed it sometimes where it's like they're either more on the narcissistic side and they, they just way overvalue themselves. And it's not on the self-deprecating side that they super undervalue themselves. It's really that they don't really know what value they have. They've never quantified it and they don't want anyone else to put value upon them. So they're just afraid to go out into that world. And to me, that's the biggest lack of leadership, right? Is that they would rather hide in a corner, take whatever bones get thrown to them and then just live this quiet life of like a sort of, uh, you know, quiet life of sort of just getting on with it and hoping they get paid enough to pay the bills and pay their student loans and then they move on. But it's not leadership and it's not what I want us to be about. So that's why I'm talking to you. <laughs> I want you to tell them what they can do to get out of it. We've already given them one tool and it's their ability to be aware of what, how they're acting when they're acting and then be able to pause, meditate, and then change their behavior, understand that it's just that little mothers, fathers, preachers, teachers, whatever that was telling them something about themselves that makes them behave a certain way. And then they have to be able to realign themselves and say, that's not who I, who I want to be. I want to be a leader. I want to be successful and I want to guide a successful practice. So I'm going to behave that way right now. Correct. And yes, and you do. You call it a funny name. You make fun of it. 
Tony yeah. Robbins will have you stick your finger in your nose and be like, you're being that stupid person again. And just to change, so you stop doing it and, and, and you're aware and then you go and do something else. Right, so, so for some people, it helps when they actually identify these different category, right? Even the ones that you say in the middle, it's because we call them the high achiever sabotaging tendency because they only attach themselves successful if they achieve certain level. And if they can't achieve it, they're always in that middle ground. It's like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I'm never that person. So I'm not really worthy of that, right? Or they finally, um, one of my clients finally hit her goal of her revenue goal. So joyful. And then I goes, how long did that last? Right? I asked this question for every single conference I go to, every single individual I talk to, and they go, Oh, yes, Sabrina. Yeah, about a couple of days, that's it. And I immediately I'm thinking about what's next? Do I, can I keep up with my revenue goal or can I do more of this project? Right? It's immediately uh, moving on because we haven't given ourselves the permission to say, I deserve this win. I'm going to sit in this win right now. I should be proud of myself in this win instead of thinking about the 10 next steps that you Guilty. haven't even gone there. Guilty, <laughs> you found my category. <laughs> so in that moment is to say, of all the wins, let's thinking about who helped you to get there. Yeah, a lot of time could be you, right? You really got there, but behind the you, behind the true provider, the leader, the doctor you are, they're gonna be family. They're gonna be social support. There can be that one team member that you eventually hired that actually did essential part for you, right? Have you really appreciated yourself and everybody else? How are you appreciating them? Are you just saying it to your head? Oh yeah, this is great, right? But everyone has a different specific need. Even just giving people bonuses, taking people out um, like, uh, let's say a lunch day, have your significant other on a vacation, if you're not putting that perspective of why, what the reason, they still don't feel that, right? They just like, oh, okay, what's going on? Okay, let, right. let's have fun. And they already moved on. So we have to make sure we meet other people at where they need to be. So then we attract the talent to us and we actually keep them. And because support is always a win-win situation, right? If it's always one way, people eventually face out, no matter right. how close they are for you. Yeah, we've definitely been building this organization that we have. It, you know, it it only gets you so far with one person or one personality or one idea. But the moment you have multiple personalities and multiple not multiple personality disorder, but multiple personalities involved in the project and in the mission, uh, it it's just this flywheel effect that puts it at a whole different pace, like this whole different trajectory that you can't get on your own. Um, but here's the question though: so going back with this so we'll get off the lone wolf thing in a little bit here but for the lone wolves what do they need to do to convince themselves that it's time to broaden their uh their team broaden their base uh and scale up for lack of better terms uh and start taking on more of a leadership responsibility instead of just a technician responsibility yeah uh Amazing question. I think this is the question, no matter whether you're a solar uh, practitioner, right? You're by yourself 
Mm -hmm. or those some of my clients who already have 10 clinics, right? Right. You you have to think the same way. So two major questions to ask. Number one, how do you define success? That means your business vision, your life vision, who you are as a person, uh, how, uh, wh- what does that mean to have uh, that family life, right? All these little major, what we call then the key components of life has to be integrated and aligned. Uh, and then when you actually understand what that looked like for you, then you can say, oh, maybe business, I just have a certain revenue goal. Not necessarily I wanted to be a chain of, for my whole community in the city I am, right? And that's fine because then it's become so clear. But then you're going to ask yourself, if you hit that revenue goal, what does that mean to you? Is that financial security that you feel the sense? Is that that you can... Um, means when you hit that goal, you can pay for your kids' summer camp, you can go on wherever type of vacation you want, right? So now we start thinking about other type of life, right? So we wanted to integrate all this in because once we do that, then we can answer the second question, which is what does freedom look like to you? So freedom can be what? Freedom of time, people, money, location, right? What are the key things that create freedom for you, right? One is wish, the achievement, the success, right? Another is to say, despite of what I have as how successful I am, but how do I see myself as a free being, as a, a self-entity that I can feel fulfilled, satisfied, right? So then when we are very clear on those two, then we can actually continue to mix them together. That sets priority. So for example, uh, one of my clients, he actually, we gone down to, oh, it's no longer about revenue. It's actually, he loved teaching. Actually, he's a chiropractor. He loved teaching other chiropractors, especially the newer one, right? Who graduated his oh, yeah. alma mater. Yeah. To they, all love teaching the, they all love right? teaching the young chiropractors, yep. Right, great. So <laughs> if you love to teach, then that should be your priority, right? So how right. does that look like? So he actually created a whole training module, just like a chiropractic, uh, uh, a, what did he do? He does Taekwondo. So he does every single step is a bell, right? You earn gotcha. your step, you move on to the next one. So it become very clear in his vision in what he need to do is about more workshops, more talking to these uh, specific uh, practitioners, and then you start shifting what you see, what you do. But freedom also means for him is family. It's whenever he wanted to go to his kids' event, whatnot, he can show up. Therefore, when despite of teaching is important, if they're asking him to speak at a conference or whatnot, he will have to say no to those activities to match his core foundation of what that freedom looks like, right? So that's how we can see, oh, so if you're gonna do all those beyond your clinical practice, that means what? You have to hire other practitioners to run your practice and see your patients. There are other ways to solve your problem of hiring. Yeah, so that's definitely one approach. Now, let's, 
let's go away from the solo practitioners and let's go to established docs with a staff, a team. They're, they're working their system. I feel like, and you know, my perspective is my perspective. I love it when people prove my perspective wrong. I love it when I see a chiropractic entity, a business that's really got their organizational stuff together. It's just super impressive to me. Um, how does what, what I, but what I actually see is the chiropractor who, who still owns a job, right? I mean, they have a business license, they have a practice name. They have a way that they have done things for years, but they don't change it much because they don't want to mess it up by changing it. You know, don't look a gift horse in the mouth and not, and I don't think everyone has to scale to 50 clinics or, you know, if they like seeing hundred people a week or 80 people a week, whatever it is, they don't have to scale up to 500 people a week or anything like that. But there are some of them out there that are listening right now that do want to change. They are just either afraid or they don't know how, what are the, what are the approaches that they need to do to get back into the game of uh, this positive mentality, positive approach, positive psychology, all these other things that can help them get the tools they need to expand their practices to get what you're talking about, the success and the four freedoms that are available to them that they may not know are available. Right, right. I think what you're saying is that um, there's like for us, there's three levels, right? People who don't know they have a problem, they will not do. People know they have a problem, but still not taking action because it hasn't hurt them enough. Uh, Versus the last level is people feel the pain. They know the pain and they've been hitting walls. And then they know they can't last that long anymore if they don't change, right? So it's, uh, of course, the last group, they're more tend to be able to do something about their situation versus the middle ground that hasn't taken action. They're kind of iffy, right? That's kind of where you're talking about versus right. the people who don't even know they have a problem, right? Because we don't know what we don't know. Um, so in the middle ground people, it's that if we can fl- reflect back, when was the last time you went on a vacation Right. Most of us, even despite the restriction of travel, now people are actually being packed in an airport now, being uh, able to do short distance. When was the last time you can say, oh, I went on a vacation. I did not have to check my email, did not have to answer any calls. And then when I came back, I feel really good. I did not have to take a break, just have uh, a vacation for my vacation. Right. It's so rare that happens. Most of us come back with hundreds of emails that need to be responded. And somehow your, even you have a team, your staff already fit every single patient, just sneak in the first day you come back. That's right. And you feel so exhausted. And then that day is like, oh my goodness, right? Like a, then you start feeling guilty of going on that vacation. So when those things start happening, that's the moment that you sit back and say, what do I have to do for myself, right? And then it could be as simple as going to the basic. Is this how I can see myself doing for the next year and two years? Can I afford to take a vacation from now on and go back to have more work than I before I even left? Uh, And then for other practitioner is that they start fit so much extra patient workload the week before they leave just to compensate, right? Right. Because again, it's the self-worth issue of, oh, 
if I don't do this, what if I lose my patient? Actually, because you're so good, if you be, believe your patient continue to come back to you, they will always come back to you. They will wait for you. Uh, even they have to go see someone else for that one time off chance, they can still see how much rapport, how caring you are, and the way that you do things are not going to be the same as other people. So at the end of the day is we have to build a trust toward how we do things and set boundaries to even start with. So one of the tip I give uh, to my client is before you go away, who is the person that can take over? Even just respond to phone calls, answer emails. And, um, and then when you go away, you're going to set up the, your email auto response to say, hi, uh, uh, thank you so much for contacting me. I see how valuable I am for you to even reach out to me and to make sure that I have the best sanity and in my best capability to serve you, I'm giving myself a break from this day to this day. During this time, please contact so-and-so at this email, this number. And if this is not urgent, all this email is going to be deleted if you're sending emails on this day to that day. And if uh, you really need to talk to me, please send a follow-up email after um, so-and-so day when I return, okay? So you know, you already set the boundary that you're not going to check out those hundreds of emails when you return. And if it's truly urgent, right? We create our own urgency. They have a designated person to respond to them. And for the solopreneurs out there who don't have a specific person, right? You can also refer them to a trusted partner, right? We right. all build relationship in our community. You know, someone else can take care of your patients and they are not gonna steal your patient, right? And just a short-term free and they can come back to you after you return. And then the other boundary is don't let yourself double book on the first day or two days when you come back. Still set yourself the schedule as how you have done. And even most of the time I tell people to cut it by a fourth. So you can slowly ease back into what you need to do instead of giving your body such a shock. Yeah, I don't even believe in stealing patients, by the way. I don't believe in that term. Um, one, as if they're your property. But two, if, if a patient went to somebody else while you were on vacation and they had a better, they were welcomed better, the office was more up to date, they were taken better care of, they got a better value for what money they paid to be there, uh, and they got better results or better results. Um, and so you lose them to that, that's on you. It wasn't stolen. You gave it away because you didn't, you didn't, you couldn't compete, right? Uh, the people who always say like people stole my patient. Uh, I don't, I mean, I get it. I, I mean, I get it. I, I totally get it. I'm honest about it. Like I understand where they're coming from, but I also don't have that much respect for people who say that because I know they're, they're thinking with this weird mindset that you are somehow entitled to that patient's loyalty, but we're not entitled to anybody's loyalty. These are relationships. Uh, you know, all those things that you had just said about that were relational could be said about romance or friendship as well, too. Like, you know, if you don't take good, if you're talking romance, you don't take good enough care of the people you are in interactions with and uh, they go away. What, what, the whole saying, like, if you love someone, let, whatever, like let them free. And if if it was real, they'll come back to you. Like if you didn't give them that magical feeling, 
the Disney experience of being around you and they don't come back, you know, you didn't deserve that. So that's why people get possessive, right? They get possessive of their relationships because they feel like they're unworthy of having relationships. So now we're back to that part, right? And there should, like, if somebody opens their pie hole and they say words like, oh, someone stole my patient, they need to stick their finger in their nose or they need to say, <laughs> that's my, that's my stupid comedy, possessive chiropractor talking again and say, no, they don't steal. Patients are lovely. They go wherever they feel like they need to go. I need to do a better job of loving the ones that are with me. Right. Um, I always I, see, I read difficult situation. It's a learning experience. You either sure. see it as I can grow. There's something at least positive that helped me. Or I can say, this is a situation I can never change. It's just so out of my control. Then I just need to skip through it. And then I'm on to the next thing, right? Um, in well, I do case, have an asterisk. I don't want to interrupt, but I do have an asterisk. Yes. There are some other chiropractors that will like lie to their, you know, they'll like, they'll, they'll visit you, they'll visit another practitioner while you're on vacation. And then they'll say like, oh, whatever that other chiropractor said was complete nonsense. Here's the real deal. Uh, so there are, there is some theft out there. So I'm not saying there's no such thing as people stealing your patients. I think it's just an easy, it's used as an easy way out when you're not up on your game, as far as service delivery and the patient experience that you're supposed to provide to people. Right. But to that point, I feel like people are smart. They can see through things. Right. And sure. then, and we always going to attract the right type of people because they're very similar. You serve them and you pour out to them. They can sense that and they sense what's true, what's real. And then so despite that people would quote unquote lie or pivot the thinking. Pivot it. Yes. People, yeah. People can see through that and they will always come back to you. Okay, so we've established a couple things here through this podcast. So for people who want to take some sort of action step, one, the first action step is know your worth. Two, set boundaries around that worth that display to other people. And this is what I've been trying to teach to my team this year is we have beliefs and values and convictions, but if we don't communicate them to, the, uh, to other people, the outside world, we actually don't have beliefs and values and convictions. That, that's just in our head. We have to communicate it. So know your worth and then communicate your worth with your behavior with other people. And three, this is one that took me a long time to figure out. Sabrina, this one took me, I don't know. So if I, if we, so we'll say it took me 20, well, my career, 15 years to figure out, celebrate. It took me, it was only a couple months ago that I realized that I am a person that one of the people you described that does not celebrate anything. You just win and move on to the next win and win and move on to the next win. And then after a couple decades, you're like winning and you don't even know you're winning and winning doesn't feel good or even give you anything at all. It doesn't give you a dope, dopamine rush or nothing. And it's like, oh my, you have to celebrate your victories, however small, and especially the large ones, you have to take time to celebrate. And it's a huge, huge part of leadership because if you don't celebrate and you don't celebrate the people on your team, like you said, and it's exactly right, they just won't want to be on your team anymore. Right, because if that's the way training our brain, right? If we don't create these imprints, then our neural synapses is not going to make those connections. And therefore, you don't create the memory of winning and joyfulness. That's why you keep moving on. 
Yeah, it was like my first hit of heroin. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> like that one was good. But then the subsequent hits, is that what heroin is? They take hits of heroin? I don't know. But it is. It's it's all neuro neurophysiology, right? Like if you mm-hmm. can't if you can't really put a capstone on that. Uh, you know, we have uh, Labrador retrievers in our house. So training them to be good dogs and good field dogs and things of that nature, it's all based on on that, like such a positive when they be, it's so simple. And we have five children in our house too. So it's like, whenever they do the thing that you want them to do, the amount of joy that you express, that's it. And they go, whoa, whoa, I did something that I, okay, I'm going to just keep trying to do that thing. Uh, you have to also learn to do that for yourself too. Like when you right. behave the way you want to behave, you, I'm not saying click a clicker and throw a treat in your mouth. I'm saying you've got to like celebrate your, you got to train yourself to have the behavior that you want to see out of yourself. You have to lead yeah. yourself, be a self leader. Yeah. You want to hear a fun fact? So it, when you mentioned the heroin thing, it's actually, there's a functional MRI scanning the brain of people who are high it's the uh-huh. same as when they fell in love, the same type of brain region light up. So that high, right, that joyfulness is the same thing. So if we can mimic more love in our life with people, right? So that means that love doesn't have to be romantic love. So that right. also means when you're in relationship with your supportive partners uh, for uh, for your practice or social, right? Even how much love and joy that you're seeing your patients recovering, right? So if you can transfer those love and also love for yourself, I just love discovering this. I just love doing this when research for this thing, right? And you can trigger your brain to be in those high potential moment. And that actually what newer research to show when we think about creating most people saying like the smart goal, right? The small measurable. Right. What they're missing is they need to have that excitement component into all the goals you set up. That's not just achievable, but you actually want to do them. Ooh, a smarty goal. Are those candies smarties? So yes. You have to have a smart goal and throw the E on the end, which means also exciting or energizing, right? A smarty goal. <laughs> smarty goal. <laughs> um, so I have my own personal ex- experiment here and I'm going to include you in it because you've been a healthcare provider for a while now too. Did you have a hobby when you were in school, when you were in your professional training school for your medical field? Did you have a hobby? Um, my hobby was just going to the gym. I think that was like my uh, my breakaway from studying is right. like, I'll go to the gym for weight training or do bars and do those uh, classes. Sure. sure. Uh, almost compulsory, right? Like you have, yeah. you have to exercise on some level, but you weren't doing macrame, bird watching, no. kayaking, uh, traveling Europe, all these sort of like what people would consider hobbies. And, and I also have a so I asked this of chiropractic students as well, once they graduate, like what, cause they always say, you know, well, how do I get patients? Like, how do I, what do I do to get patients besides whatever Google ads or whatever? I go, well, do you have a hobby? And they just look at me like, well, they all, all of them, almost all of them to the highest degree say, no. I said, well, did you have a hobby in chiropractic school? Well, no, I went to the gym, you know, whatever. And, and I think that's a big piece of this puzzle is, 
for the professional, they get trained out of love for life. They get, they, they fully dedicate themselves to the professionalism of mastering their craft and mastering their uh, field that they lose that love for life thing. And the, that first period that, of when you get back into the real world and out of school and you start working, you need to get back into the love of life as soon as you possibly can, because it is actually the better predicator of what's going to happen in the next 10 years than how much you actually learned in school. Right. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, uh, one thing that I talk to people about, how do you collaborate to accelerate your win is about immersing yourself in all different sort of activities and events that other people in your caliber are also in. Right. Yes. So that means a cross referral and enjoyment. So one thing I do, I in college, I, well, really growing up, I was a dancer since preschool. So mm -hmm. I did all different type of dancing from ballroom to hip hop to um, uh, contemporary. And so did a competition in college, grad school, of course, you become like like you're saying, right? No one has a hobby anymore because you, sure. you only allow yourself to study to eat, to work out, to do it all over again. And once we get out, then you're like, oh, I have, I can't have a life now. Like, right. but, but what does that even look like, right? And then, so I started picking back up my dancing, my piano, like, um, and then just uh, even travel in itself becomes so default to say, oh yeah, everybody does it. But then you almost have to give yourself a permission, like we uh, talked yes. about earlier of can I even go on a trip without feeling guilty of leaving everything behind, right? Or piling yeah. more work when I come back. So yeah, so it's, it's finding out when you do these activities, I can go to these classes and events and meet a bunch of other cool people that's like in your age range or in your common interest. Then you start meeting even more people to talk about, then it's about what do you do, right? It's not about... Uh, like my interests actually connect you in bringing more good people in your circle, whether you potentially even hire them to onboarding for your practice, or um, they simply saying, oh, I need another chiropractor. I've been looking for that person, right? Then right. there's a direct connection. So we can think more outside the box of everyone, probably six feet away from another person that needs you. So the more that you can connect and more concise in what you say on what you do. And that one story that you communicate with people is so crucial. Great, perfect. Hey, did you ever see the movie Office Space? It's older, so it's, it's an older movie, like 90s. Yeah, I, rem I only remember the cover of like this uh, yellow sticker, right? Like yeah. uh, no stickers, but somehow I don't remember what happened in the movie. <laughs> There's a part of the movie where these two, uh, consultants ask one of the workers they say what do you so what, what do you exactly do you do here and that's what I want to ask you next is like what exactly do you do with positive intelligence and with your approach and with working with people can you explain some of that to me and then I wanted you to explain to me because um, you have you are, you've done a good job of making sure that you are accessible everywhere, right? And we're going to include all those links. Like you've got a website, YouTube, Instagram, like you're on maybe too much stuff. Like you're, you might be trying too hard. So like <laughs> most, most advisors would say, pick a channel and stick with one channel and just be really good at it. Right. 
Right. So yes, I'm I'm most active on LinkedIn. My my okay. VA handles everything else. <laughs> okay, perfect. Okay. So you do have a main channel and that would be LinkedIn. And then yep. the other ones will kind of guide people along the way. But LinkedIn's the good stuff. Now I want you to also sort of um explain like what you do and if there's any sort of offer or a thing that listeners can reach out to you because they like what you hear and what and the things that you do. What kind of things do you have for them? Um, you know, you have full permission to sell yourself here if you would like. Yeah, I appreciate it. So what I do really is on um, how do we optimize our mental fitness and creating a system that works best for you. And that's how we truly be able to gain time back to put in the least amount of effort to give you the big result. So that's been done. I typically work with people one-on-one. And whether you're with me for two months deep dive or you're with me for 12 months of for unlimited spot laser support. And because I truly believe when you have an issue, you wanted to talk about it that fast, right? Sure. We all so short on time. So um, it's the what I believe in the six core foundation. Number one, we can touch on it a lot in the beginning is what does that desire mean for you, look like for you, and truly what's that end goal, right? How do you create it to intertwine with other 10 key components of life? And if you haven't thought about it, if you haven't reviewed it, it's something that we should have been doing that on a monthly basis, right? Because other things are gonna go into our life and change our priority. And that's okay. But if we don't even know the end goal, you're constantly going to do what? Oh, that sounds great. That sounds great. And zigzagging through life and probably never get to where you need to go, right? So it's about number one, honor yourself. Be okay to say, this is my version. I'm going to find out how to do that, right? Number two is because there are so many opportunities in life, how can you be a finisher, not just a starter? How do you generate those momentum to keep yourself in line so you can get to that point? So now I know what, what that looked like. Now let me get to that point. And number three, we also mentioned is master your psychology. Um, we're going to go in depth in what are these 10 sabotaging tendencies. Maybe you have it all. That's fine. And we're going to only focus on top three anyway but understand where things are fluctuating. And your score does not matter any way at all for the next person sitting next to you, right? Yeah. Because your score is only understanding us. And then what are these ways that we can pivot ourselves out with this neural remodulation? We're gonna build it for yourself. The easiest one, two things, right? Could be as simple as, I'm just gonna take a breath and, rubbing my two fingers together and just focusing that moment of touch, right? And so no matter what that is, we're going to focus that out and then knowing how to get to the next page. Um, fourth is most people don't know when we study performance, there are actually only two to three hours in a day that are peak performance hours. Yes. And if you know when those hours are, based on your tendency, your sleep pattern, and how you regenerate energy, you can two to three times of your productivity doing those hours than any other time out of the day, right? So we can figure out what is your natural tendency. So I'm all about bringing the best in you. And 
Number five, creating a freedom compass, right? We uh, mentioned about what does freedom look like to you? So once you know that, we also define a freedom compass as a guide. That means the desire zone, distraction zone, disinterest zone, and the discouragement zone. We want to stay 80% in the desire zone, but most of my clients like, Serena, I'm kind of doing 80, 90% stuff that I don't want to do. <laughs> oh, you know, that's why you're not getting where you want to go, right? That's right. So once we figure out what's in a desire zone, our brain can say, but Sabrina, there's still a lot of other stuff that need to be done. Okay, great. Then let's talk about a focus funnel. How do we say no? Because every single no is a new opportunity. And elimination can offload so much more for you. And number two is delegation. How do you delegate? How do you not feel icky when you delegate? And how do you feel more supportive from that other person sitting across from you that they don't feel like you're putting them down, right? When you're delegating. And then it goes down to the last two steps is intentionally delay. Because even a task that will take you only five minutes, all those five minutes add up, right? They're really robbing your time instead of producing time. And then the lastly is if you know a certain thing that really produce your time. Uh, for example, your manipulation with your patients. That means producing your time because how well you take care of them, they will continue to come back. They'll refer more patients to you, right? Those are the things that you have to block out on your schedule to say, these are the times and the days I'm dedicated to those of my patient, right? And those are intentional, they're pre-planned. So one of the best thing I love to follow from the Four Seasons Hotel when they're thinking about their business concept is that we have to systemize all the predictables. Then we can humanize the excellence. You are the excellence. But without this system in place that can take away things that you find mending, maybe other people don't, you are always going to trap back into those other zones that are not your desire. Um, and lastly, is on people. How are you attracting the right people to you? Just because they're A players, because personality, because their own individual need, because their own mission is not aligning with your mission, your practice, they're not for you, right? Yeah. So how are we attracting the right people to you? And even your existing, if you have clinicians in your practice, office managers, the staff, whatnot, how are you make sure all you people are solid, right? At what point you do reviews? At what point you really need to have that conversation to boost them up? At, at what point you really need to let them go? And when you do let them go, use that exit interview to your advantage to ask the right questions and not feeling like achy about, oh my gosh, like I'm, I can't do this, right? I'm creating conflicts. Yeah. You are actually being a leader. If you don't do that, you everybody else around you are going to see how much people can push your buttons and you don't even do a thing about it. Cool. Uh, I can only think of 10,000 people who need this in their lives. <laughs> so that's, that's yeah. how many members we have. Um, well, yeah, 10, I'm happy to have. <laughs> and, then, and then all the other people listen to the podcast as well. Uh, do you have an offer for anybody out there? Offers. We're taking offers. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so for people who are in a place that you've been running your practice for a few years, so you're in that spot of like, I don't know what that next level looks like, right? I'm kind of like in that like iffy way of I can do more, but I don't know what that looked like. I don't even know if I have the capacity, the time to do that. Or I'm successful. I want to do more, but how, how do I choose what's next? I'm happy to have a conversation. Go to Sabrina rombach.com forward slash blueprint. Make sure you say that you heard it from uh, Dr. Bobby's show. I only take um, complimentary consultations by referrals only. And then for the rest of you who, you know, you want to know what's the 20 things you can hand off to your staff right now and save your sanity, then you can download a, a PDF. Uh, go to sabrinarombach.com forward slash hand off because the more we can hand off the more that you can have a better lifestyle that truly matches both your business and how you want it to be as a, a leader it's the absolute truth i mean i wish on so many occasions that i could just grab people by their shirt collars and say please listen to that the more that you can delegate the better your life's going to be in so many different ways um this is not the last time that we talk you're that good so uh, i appreciate all that you do and um obviously you're brilliant in this field and you put your work in and the intelligence shows and i uh, I, I know for a fact that people get results with you you can I, if i if i asked you to bring up the numbers i know you could show me um so i i i'm looking to extend in, invites for people to hear more from you and when i get questions from the audience and and all that i'll, I'll forward them on to you and I thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, hopefully we talk again very, very soon. Well, you and me will talk offline because uh, every single person I've had on this podcast, I've built a long-term relationship with uh, more. I mean, they're, they're like one or two jerks, but you're not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I won't say which ones were, but uh, long-term relationships, because we do have this sort of, uh, symbiosis of a direction. We just want people to get it for themselves because once they unlock that thing, whatever that thing is that needs to be unlocked in all these people out here, uh, whether it's chiropractors or patients, I mean, they're just people that we want to see that key unlock the door, right? And once they do, it's such a beautiful thing to see uh, when people are living lives on their terms. So uh, thank you for contributing to that mission for the world. And I enjoy being on that path with you. Oh, so appreciate you. And thanks everyone for joining us today. Yes. Uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Okay.